Hey guys, welcome to the Friends with Friends podcast. I'm Carmen, and today I'm joined with one of my closest friends, Coral. And today we are going to be talking about a very controversial and also deep topic, uh, church hurt and trauma. I know, it's a lovely one. Um, It's something that I think a lot of Christians struggle with. Um, But first, I want to give a little background on my friend Coral. So, Coral, what do you study at uh, the University of Valley Forge? Hey, guys. um, I'm a junior at the University of Valley Forge. I study ministry leadership, uh, and I'm a double minor in pastoral counseling and then English language and literature. Nice. Yep, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Um, Coral does a lot with just, like, biblical stuff, and I like to observe her. She actually just finished a sermon, which was really good, by the way. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it was was really good. I could never, mainly because I don't like to talk in front of people or anything, but... Yeah. Um, So how have you been affected with uh, church hurt? Yeah, I think like, I really think church hurt is such like a loaded term now because you were talking, like you can talk to people that have experienced it and left the church. You talk to people that are leaders in the church. You talk to people that church hop because they get, they feel like they experience church hurt at every church they go to. Mm. Um, and I mean, the, the root word in church hurt is, I would say hurt. So everybody gets hurt. Yeah. Um, it's a part of life and living. And I would say probably just a result of the fallen world that we live in. So I think we've all experienced it. And if you've spent more than like a couple of days in the church, uh, somebody has probably said something that got to you. Yeah, for you know? sure. So it's a pretty like universal experience. Um, today I was thinking of a couple experiences that I had just to kind of share where I'm coming from. Um, and because I think what we don't realize is the impact that church hurt has on like multiple people, you know, especially Mm -hmm. when these people leave the church, Mm -hmm. um, where they leave a church that they were attending for a new one. Like, I think we don't understand how that affects families or how that affects people just like learning about Christ when these people go off into the world. And so one story, um, that I really thought about was my parents. And when I was really young, my parents were serving at like a non-denom church. My parents were one of like two or three young couples and they had my brother and I, and they were in their thirties. Like they were figuring out life, you know? Yeah. So they're heavily serving in this church, right? And um, they were like basically pastoring the youth group, but then my dad ended up uh, losing his job I think, like, my family took a hit there. Well, my parents really uh, took a hit there. So my dad worked in the day and then bartended at night. And um, the pastor of our church, who we were, like, close with, Mm. he was a really great guy. But on this instance, not so much because he called our, like, house phone. And my mom answered, and he thought he was going to get a hold of my dad. And he said to my mom, he was like, you know, somebody came and told me that your husband is bartending. And my mom was like, yeah, like he, he needed a job. Like we needed money. Yeah. And, um, 
like my parents were burnt out on service in the church and they're trying to make money and raise their family and do all this stuff, you know? And he like says, I'm like, I just, I had to call and figure out if this was true. I just couldn't believe it because how could some, how could a Christian and how could somebody that leads in our church like work in a bar like that he was like that's crazy and he was like it's just crazy the state of our world today like it really is like just so like enveloped in like sin and my mom she was like but he's providing for our family like my kids need to eat and and we need to like make a way so like that's what he's doing like it's not like he's not sinning he's not drinking he's bartending Mm. and yeah so that didn't end well because people in the church then like just stopped talking to my parents and that was really hard like they're in their yeah. 30s and they're surrounded by pe- like people that are the generation ahead of them yeah and i mean i i don't know i think they probably needed people to pour into their lives and weren't necessarily like receiving that and unfortunately like the ties for that church like weren't super great i think my mom a lady came to my mom and was like scoffing at her and i don't think my mom had a very uh, godly reaction <laughs> and um yeah so back to church hurt like that was extremely hurtful and our family we didn't have a church for two years and then we yeah. found one when i was seven but my parents were extremely hurt they weren't at first actively looking for a church mm-hmm. and then i think they both were like we need community again and they went back into it but i mean i just don't know like who knows what would have happened to those youth kids if they got to continue to be um pastored there if they if my parents continued to pastor them or you know who knows what my and my brother's experience would have been like and i think it caused my dad to really grapple with his faith because i mean you know if a, if as a man he's trying to provide for his family and you know the church doesn't isn't able to support that or isn't able to come alongside him and support that like that was huge in itself um there is a silver lining to this story though because years later the pastor called um and my mom answered the phone that time too and he just apologized and like you know just kind of I would say repented to my mom and it's resolved now we don't see them a whole lot because they're kind of a town over um from us but it it was resolved but the I would say the effect from it like just rang like a gong yeah um throughout the next several years and then even when we started attending another church my parents were reluctant to serve just because of the hurt that had occurred there and yeah so that church hurt uh, is not necessarily mine but my heart still just breaks for like all the people that experience that that certainly isn't like a experience that only you know what I mean my family went through yeah Because I know, like, I can relate, because when I was um, 17, my church, basically, my mom had uh, worked for the the church for, like, a while, mm-hmm. like, since I was, I want to say four, four or five, and um, I was 17 years old, and my mom would work with, like, these daycare kids. I kid you not, like, she treated them like they were her own, yeah. and... One day out of the blue, they just fired her for, like, no, like, for a crappy reason. Yeah. And seeing, especially, like, 
my mom's a single mom, so, like, I'm, like, super overprotective of her. And, like, if you screw with her, like, now I'm, like, pissed off. And now I'm the one that's, like, you should be fearful of. Yeah. And when I saw her just, like, break down, like, the way that I viewed my church, I, like, didn't want anything to do with them. I was, like, these people are awful. They treat people awfully. Like, my mom worked every single day. Like, that was my mom constantly yeah. working at every beck and call that they had. And when I saw them do that and betray her like that, I'm like, how can these people call themselves so loving, so like this, that, whatever, and do that to one of the people who have been there since like day one? So when I saw that, I was like, no offense, but like screw these people. Like I I don't want to be a part of it. I didn't go to the church anymore. I still don't go to the church anymore. I mean, even though the hurt was towards like it affected my mom seeing her go through that yeah still like affected me like a lot because like no no person no matter the age wants to see their family like go through that and like they never apologized and it always just like hurt me and my mom still goes today but I just I can't and so you know I think it's hard to also figure out how to heal from that like because like some people do like get the call from like the person that may have hurt them and that's nice but then some people have to learn to like move on and heal just like with the love of christ yeah with no closure yeah and i think that's like especially hard and i think also like (laughs) i learned from uh Pastor Joe from Connection Church, he actually just preached a sermon, and I felt so convicted from it. Like, and when I tell you the spirit convicts, bro, it's like a sucker punch to the Mm. gut, like multiple times that you can't shake for days. And he just said, like, you know, you cannot say you love God, but that but then you can't love the church. Like, Mm. the two cannot be separated. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, like, that, like, hurt. Because I was just like, dude, like, that's just not fair. But at the same time, it's just, like, you know, God calls us to love. And it's not love, like, oh, smile at them and wave and talk slander behind their back. It's to love wholeheartedly. Right. You know? And I think that's something that a lot of, like, Christians still struggle with and like also defining that love it's not just like acting like it it is like fully like living it day to day you know yeah I think another thing that like if you're looking at this from a spiritual perspective another thing that we see occurring is people that are hurt in the church are usually like people that are eager to serve when we talk about church hurt we really like love to talk about the people like it's so nice sometimes um to just say like they hurt me and talk about like a person that did it but in reality like i mean it's it's the enemy you know oh yeah and for sure he like he's super real and his goal is to steal kill and destroy mm-hmm. so if you can steal kill and destroy a servant and a person with a servant heart and a person seeking to have others feel the love of god mm-hmm. like I think you can take multiple people out in that, you know? Oh, yeah. And you see that with my family. You see that with your mom and just how it affected you. Mm -hmm. And I just think you can't, like, 
neglect to see the work of the enemy in church hurt instead of just like, you know, we're all broken people, but at the end of the day, like God uses broken people and the enemy accuses broken people. Oh, for sure. I definitely feel like the, the devil can, um, he uses you when you're at your most weakest. Like when he saw that, like, I was really upset with like my church and how they treated my mom. Like, I know that he used that to his leverage to be like, to separate, to separate me from like church instead of like continually like going and just like learning to, um, I I guess you could say just like be more filled with like the Lord's spirit and to properly like move on from it with love. But instead I let that like let his lies and like let that small little like tear of like brokenness, like I let that, like I let him in in a sense Mm. and let that totally affect how I view, you know, the church. Yeah. And I think it just puts you on a root of like cynicism to which sometimes like once you have cynicism just in your, as a mental state and just in your thoughts, I feel like then it's almost like the enemy's done his work. Like your like sinful nature now is like what's propelling that on. And I think that's really easy, especially in um, a small church or a small community to feel cynical just about, um, I would sometimes I think even the production that church can become Mm -hmm. or just the day to day with the people around you when you're aware of the broken people around you and you're not feeling love for them, you quickly become cynical because how can they Mm -hmm. be stewarding just the presence of God at all if they're broken when in reality, like that's who Jesus came to save, but when when you just look at it with a cynical perspective, I mean, it just kind of annihilates any room for like the love of Christ until you repent, until you get there, you know. Yeah. Um, how do you think like as we like Gen Z like could help in that area of just showing more of Christ's love, like while also standing for the truth, like because I I think that. It's almost, um, it's an issue that everyone faces because it's, you also need to be bold and know where you stand. And, like, people tend to be um, followers and also um, tolerate. But how do you think we, like, as the next generation of leaders can show love to those that are just, like, very hateful, like, towards us because also the trauma that they experience from Mm -hmm. other Christians who have said you're going to burn in hell because of this and have just caused so much hurt in their lives how could we like fix that I know like it's a like a loaded question because it's just like at the end of the day it's only up to the other people to forgive but it's just like how do you think we as like the next generation can do that I think as the next generation um it's our job to just like do better and I think what just keeps coming to my spirit right now is just like we need so much discernment because if I think if some people had discernment, then they wouldn't be like, you know, on a picket fence, like screaming at people that are maybe living in sin, maybe not. Um, but if you turn around and look at yourself um, through the word, I guarantee you that you'll see sin on yourself mm-hmm. too. It just looks different than the person you're yelling at. And so I think, um, I think Gen Z, 
just I think it just needs to be a spirit-led generation, you know. I think the Holy Spirit gives discernment, and I think the Holy Spirit brings conviction. And it's not our job to bring conviction. It's our job to speak truth, but I think the Holy Spirit prepares hearts for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's just not our job to talk. Like, I mean, James 1, 19 is, like, be slow to speak yeah and um so be quick to listen sorry slow to speak and slow to wrath and i think one of the things that he's really getting at is like listen actively and attentively but then when he says be slow to wrath and slow or anger whatever translation you're looking at but when it (laughs) says be slow to get angry and slow to speak i don't think he's saying to speak less or to necessarily be angry less, but to speak in a way that doesn't like cause other people to become angry and cause anger in yourself. Because most of the time, if you think about it, when we speak quickly, it's in defense of something, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in defense of how you feel or what somebody else is doing. It's and yeah, it, it's just defensive behavior, and that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. The next verse is, you know, uh, wrath does not produce, does not, um, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Yeah. And so I think as a generation, like having discernment and listening to the spirit and just being slow to listen, Mm -hmm. um, or sorry, quick to listen and then slow to speak. I think that's just a game changer. Mm -hmm. You know, people need to feel loved and it's the acceptance that comes through Christ. Yeah. And people need to know truth, but I think nine times out of ten, a person living in sin knows. Um, oh, yeah. And it just goes to that, like, moral compass in your heart. Like, so you don't have to tell a person if they're living an alternative lifestyle that they're living it. Like, they know it. Mm-hmm. So just show them the love of Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to convict because you can't be near a holy God or you can't be near a person that like has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them and not feel that conviction. And it's not even the person doing it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think if we understand that as a generation, it'll just allow people to be loved and, you know, and people are looking for the truth. So represent the truth Mm. so they can ask you about it Yeah, and live out the truth. So then they wonder how you're living you yeah. know, I don't think we necessarily have to yell at them. We can just tell them yeah. and we can tell them through actions. You yeah. Know? Do you think there's like any basic steps on being um, like bold to like live the truth? You know what I mean? Because I feel like we're almost living a uh, a diluted truth, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um of just, like, being silent when we know, like, something's wrong. Not to say, like, oh, if you see someone's living in sin, like, yeah, I'm not saying that. But, like, I just feel like um, nowadays a lot of Christians are just living a very diluted life or just, like, you know, they they think another person is going to be the one to share Christ when really it's just, like, the Lord is using them in that moment, but they're denying it. So how do you think that we can like do you have any like simple 
steps that we can use um, to be a little more bold and like sharing that truth. So I think a way our generation um, can be bold truth um, to in a light to the world is just living holy lives. And I think that means spiritual disciplines and not, oh, I opened my Bible this morning and I read the five minute Devo. That's really good. And I'm not saying not to do that, but I'm saying like, are you studying the word? Like, are you eating it? Like, like, you know, the life that it is because it's alive. So Mm -hmm. are you letting it speak to you? And are you filling your mind during the day and your body with things that don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit and things that bring you closer to Jesus? Yeah. And people see that and people notice it. And then your output, because, I mean, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I think what you're speaking and what you're bringing into the room is then holy material Mm -hmm. because you're not filling it with, like, the crud of the world. I used music and movies, but there's so much more. Oh, yeah. Even on a physical level, are you taking care of your body? Because Mm -hmm. that speaks for itself. And I think that is such a practical way to be a light to people and be a bold truth teller by living it out Mm -hmm. and you know all these studies are saying that gen z like we want to see facts we want to see you know what i mean why and how to get there we don't just want to be told and so if you're living it out then that's exactly what you're doing yeah you know um i also want to touch on like i recently saw a post of um like people see how like cutting people off is like a strength but sometimes it could be like um sometimes I feel like it could be not a weakness but like not the best thing especially in the church I think there's certain relationships where it's just like yeah you know like maybe like remove that from your life obviously be civil with them but like when it goes to back to church or and, like, somebody hurts you, you know what I mean? When it comes to cutting people off, like, obviously, like, that's not the best thing. And it's, like, learning forgiveness also mm. is, like, a very, um, because it is hard. Um, yes, it is. The, probably one of the toughest pills to swallow. But um, what do you think about that? Like, just the topic of, like, cutting people off, um, like, in the church you know even though it's like not like biblical like what do you think I think uh so just I'm just gonna touch on the topic of boundaries but I'm not gonna talk about it because I feel like that's a whole other podcast but boundaries in the church like they they're not super easy to I think not everybody understands boundaries and not everybody understands in the same way. Yeah, and it's different for everybody, which is difficult. In the church, we don't know how to maintain them because there's like the classic, well, Jesus went and spent time on his own too, and he did. um, And we we see that Jesus had boundaries, but there's a whole other uh, section of people that say, are questioning now, like, I don't think Christians should have boundaries. And again, not going into boundaries, but I think when people get cut off, it it's either because like the person cutting them off has poor boundaries mm-hmm. or the person being cut off had like it's all a boundary thing. And uh, I think sometimes we cut people off 
in a manipulative sense, this person hurt me, I'm going to shut down on them. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I mean, that's not good. And then we, we kind of cut people off, like, this person was unhealthy for me, and, I, like, I can't be friends with that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the appropriate way, but the first yeah. way I mentioned, um, it's really easy to do, and it's really easy to do in the church, you know, mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, if you feel hurt and you do that without resolving conflict, without feeling forgiveness, like, you hurt yourself, you could hurt the other person, um, yeah, I, I actually, that actually really goes, I had a second story of church hurt to share today, and this actually kind of, like, fits into it really well, so this is, like, my story, like, not my parents, um, But when I was 17, it was, like, the summer before I turned 18, I had, like, some of the best friends I've ever had. And, like, these two years were, like, some of the best years, like, I had ever experienced yet in my life. But these girls that I was in Bible study with, they they became, like, my best friends. We hung out all the time. Um, we got, getting breakfast was, like, our thing. Mm-hmm. So we would get breakfast. Breakfast and then, is also Coral's, like, favorite meal of the day. It is my favorite meal of the day. I, <sighs> I, except for it, I'm not a pancake gal. I, I like eggs and potatoes. Mm. And I like orange juice or hot coffee. Side note. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so, like, breakfast was our thing. We had, that was when, like, hammocking was, like, a huge trend. So, like, we would go hammocking all the time. Like, and it was just, like, so good. And it was such a beautiful, like, support. That was the first time I experienced, I would say, like, the family of God. The summer that, um, they were graduating and I was going into my senior year, there was this huge conference in the denomination in Florida. And so we're all, like, super excited about the conference. And for my friends and I, this was, like, our last, like, hoorah before they went to college. My youth pastor, he divvies up the hotel rooms, and he put me with underclassmen, and he put in this other older girl with the other three of them. Mm -hmm. And... The whole point was that you would be rooming with your small group, your Bible study, so you could reflect on, you know, the whole trip together the whole time. And he separated me from them. And I was, like, I was devastated. And, yeah, I was devastated. And, like, my friends were really sad, too. And I went to him afterwards. And he wasn't, he didn't really handle conflict super well. Like, when he was approached, um... He just didn't really take a caring aspect. He took more of a defensive aspect. And I went to him after the meeting and I said, like, you know, why aren't I with my Bible study? And he said, oh, they're graduating. I put you with your new Bible study and I'm hoping that you can, like, lead them and take them under your wing so that, you know, you can be as close with them as you are with your friends now. And I was just, I just remember being like, but you don't understand, like, these girls are my best friends. Like, this is our last time together before they leave for college. Yeah. And to this day, I still remember just, like, the hurt. And, like, anguish is really, really dramatic. But, like, you know, I like big words and dramatic <laughs> yeah. words, Carmen. So I was in anguish. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I asked the youth pastor why. And I, and he, he really wanted me. He just kept saying, like, do you get what I'm saying now? I just wanted you to get what I'm saying. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, pastor, I get what you're saying, but I I completely disagree with you. 
and I'm still going to go and like, I'm going to appreciate the trip. And I believe that God is going to minister, but I do not agree with this decision that you're making and I'm not okay with it either. And I think that there probably would have been healing, um, that was like healing that took place soon after that. But then he looked at me as I was on the way out and he like cracked a joke and he tells me like, by the way, you're sitting with this girl, huh? And he just starts laughing. And I turned around and, and I was like, what? And he was like, no. He was like, I got you though. He was like, you get to pick whoever you want to sit with. But I was so hurt because he knew like how sad and upset I was. Mm. And and he made a joke that was like, I would I would say like offensive um, just for the fact, it's not that I wouldn't wanted to have sat with that girl, but come on, man. Like, yeah, I, he I, was I, ignorant of your feelings. Yeah. And, you know, maybe some of that is just, like, male-female perspective. Um, and, I, like, I get that, but I don't know. Sometimes I think you got to know your audience, especially if you're in <laughs> leadership like that. Oh, yeah. And I'm just not sure that he did. Um, so, yeah, I went on the trip, and I was pretty hurt. And I was pretty much like, all right, after this, I think I'm going to leave the youth group because we didn't meet in the summer, so we wouldn't have seen, we wouldn't have gone back to youth group until the school year. And I, I was like, I think that this is it. And um, a few of my youth leaders, they were graduating college. And so that season was over and my friends were leaving. And yeah, so I was pretty sure this was my last trip. And I was talking to one of those uh, youth leaders that was graduating college. And he was like, I can't believe this is my last time with you guys. And I was like, yeah, I think this is my last time here, too. And he looked at me, and he was like, oh, Coral, I heard all about that. And I was just like, what? Like, he was just referring to the rooming situation. And I was kind of like, you know, it's nice to know that, like, this hurt, like, was, like, given to all of the leadership here. Yeah. Because there's only one person that could have told them all that. And so that really like hurt my heart and then my friends graduated and I went to youth group once and I wasn't I didn't feel welcomed anymore to the place where I had felt most welcomed mm. for the past like two and a half years yeah and I stopped going to youth group and I actually chose to cope with my problems in some like not healthy ways my senior year of high school and I just sometimes wonder if like I hadn't been hurt by the church uh, or by, I guess, a specific person in the church um, in that way, what would have happened? So that's just a really long story to say, like, I, like, cut that youth group out of my life. Yeah. And I lost friendships because of it. Mm. And, you know, some of them uh, were restored and some of them weren't. My friends that graduated, I'm still friends with two of them. My other friend we never, um, like, got close again. But I think that cutting people off, there's there are seasons for it. Yeah. I don't, that youth group, I don't know what would have happened if I went there my senior year. Um, but the Lord works everything out for his good. Like, I stand mm-hmm. on the other side of that whole situation now. And I'm so thankful for um, just, like, all that I learned in it. Yeah. Um, and I'm thankful for the friendships that I still have out of it because they're so strong and like those people mean so much to me. And yeah, I think we're quick to cut people off because they're unhealthy or they're ungodly. Mm -hmm. But I mean, 
that's not always the case. And I think we're just too quick to anger yeah. um, instead of being slower at that, you know? And, yeah, I, I just wonder what would have happened if I was slower to be angry with my youth pastor mm-hmm. and if I was slower to be angry with my friends that they were, quote-unquote, leaving me, which is not true, but, you know, at 17, that's what it felt like. Yeah. And, you know, if I was able to listen and you know, just, like, reflect on what was happening, mm-hmm. how that would have changed. And I think... I think it just all depends on perspective and you know hindsight's always 2020. Yeah. So so is there um any takeaways that you'd want to give our audience for this? Hmm. Okay, I will I want to separate this into like two answers for everybody. Okay. So if you're struggling with church hurt, you have to lay that before the Lord. Mm. And I think if you're able to reconcile with the person like Obviously, everybody's church hurt is different, but, um, you know, when that pastor reconciled with my mom, like, that, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, like, all of our hurt is erased and gone, but it was like, you know, where there needed to be, I don't want to use the word validation, but where there just needed to be, like, acceptance and reconciliation and forgiveness, Mm -hmm. like, and closure, there was a place for that. And so get that closure, uh, be discerning about it. I don't, I don't, I think if I tried to reconcile with my youth pastor now, that would just be something completely different than it was when I reconciled with one of my best friends. Um, but I also think that if I had the opportunity to just look at the pastor and say like, I don't, I don't have any hard feelings. I don't feel any type of way towards you. Um, like if that opportunity came, I would take it. Mm. So I think if you're struggling with church hurt and there's a healthy boundary there and you have like processed all of your emotions in a healthy manner and you've taken them to God and you've processed them with God, I think reconciliation is something that just changes the game. And I think it, you know, just... It helps the Holy Spirit, like, clean that wound out of your heart a little more because sometimes he's got to scrape that hurt out. Yeah. You know, it's not just cover it with a Mm -hmm. Band-Aid. That's not how he rolls. So, yeah, if you're struggling with it, I would say reconciliation is a huge step to forgiveness or a step after forgiveness. And I think that really, like, cleans out wounds. And you don't have to reconcile and you know, have somebody come back into your life. I think sometimes it's just being right with one another after that and doing right by one another. So that's what I would encourage you if you're struggling um, and you were, like, you're trying to process your hurt. And what I would encourage in preventing church hurt if you're in some sort of church leadership or you're going to be or you're leading your Bible study at your high school or something, like, know that a a very wise person once said leadership boils down like one word definition to leadership is influence and so know that even just as a christian if you're not in some sort of leadership like christ is in you you have influence over people which is like a form of leadership Mm -hmm. and so know that and live a holy lifestyle yeah. um, 
because in that aspect you'll function in discernment mm-hmm. and you'll hopefully be speaking a little slower than the average person and listening a little more attentively than the average person. Mm -hmm. Um, Because people need Jesus and people need loved on. Mm. And people get hurt when they don't get Jesus and they're not loved on. So I think if we are aware of the influence that we as image bearers of Christ have on the people around us, whether we're actively leading them or passively leading them. And I think if we're aware and we're pursuing righteousness and Mm -hmm. pursuing holiness along with that awareness, I think we're just way less likely to hurt people. And when we do, we're way more likely to go to them and reconcile and repent. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I would say those are my two takeaways. Yeah. Yeah going moving forward and i think it takes your whole life to practice that you know you can't be like for the next six months i'm gonna go on a schedule to holiness and you know i'm gonna work it like a nine to five and i'm gonna send out letters to everybody that i like wronged like send out those letters bro but it's gonna take (laughs) it's gonna take more than that it's gonna take a heart yeah level and the holy spirit he's kind i think he tells us when it's time, whether you hear it audibly or you just think about it all the time or somebody comes up to you and just reminds you of it, I I think those are all the ways that he comes to us and tells us that. Or through scripture, you just know when it's time for that. So, yeah. yeah. I want to share one thing, and it was um, it was a man's story of how um, he was a, in a TV show. I think he was part of the Fab Five. If you don't know what the Fab Five are, um, there are five homosexual men who um, want to say it's like the uh, extreme home makeover, except they make over people's lives. One of them had a past in the church, and he said that he still knows that God loves him. It's just mm-hmm. the people. And yeah, and I think that it's important for us Christians to just remember that we are not to be cheesy, but the light of the world. <laughs> and, um, you know, we carry that light wherever we go. And, you know, we are to share that that love and just the hope of Christ. And, yeah, and I think it's just something that we should remember and that we can be a light to those and show, like, love to the people that really, like, missed out on that because it's a sad thing to hear. Right. Coral. It was lovely. I love you so much. I love you too, Carmen. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on to the podcast. We are now going to go eat Coral's pumpkin cookies. If you don't know, she's the best baker. And she made <laughs> pumpkin roll. And basically, we made sushi. She's just the bomb. So I like to cook. I like to bake. Mm-hmm. And Carmen Carmen likes to try all my experience. Oh, yeah, my for sure. My experiments. <laughs> Yeah, we'll probably watch a movie and eat cookies. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're just the two grandmas. We are yeah. two grandmas. But thanks for listening to Friends with Friends podcast, and we hope you have a good one. I'll see you guys later.